You're listening to WCRX-FM Chicago, and welcome to In the Loop with Louise Nets and Yasmin Shika, your weekly update on some of the biggest stories of the week, as well as interviews with journalists and guests from around the city of Chicago, all hosted from right here on the Columbia College Chicago campus, every Friday afternoon at 3 on 88.1 WCRX Chicago's Underground. So welcome to In The Loop with me, Louise Nets, and my co-host, Yasmin Shika. So we're going to be spending this whole lovely semester with everybody who's listening in in Chicago and around anywhere that you get WCRX. This semester, we're going to be filling you in on a little bit of news updates from the week and also giving you some feature stories um, for the rest of the hour. Yeah, it's going to be a really great time. I mean, Louise and I love to talk. I mean, that's why we're doing radio here. So yeah. I'm going to keep up with the news, talk about hot topics, and and even more. I mean, if you like something, let us know, too. So every week we'll be bringing you a little rundown of the events that happened that week. Usually the most, like, maybe three to five updates you really need to know about. So you'll get that every Friday right before you go into your weekend. And then we'll get a little bit of local news and campus news here from Columbia College Chicago with a correspondent from the Columbia Chronicle, which Yasmin used to be a part of. Yeah, I was part of the Chronicle. So actually, um, why don't we get into a little bit about ourselves, Louise? Um, We are both seniors and we graduated in May. (laughs) Ready to be thrust onto the real world. (laughs) We're ready for this. Um, I worked at the Chronicle for about a year. And then I interned with WGN-TV, and now I am a producer at WGN Radio and doing this awesome show with the one and only Louise Nets. Oh, God. <laughs> so much pressure. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Yasmin has really, really goals here because she's got the real-world radio experience that um, I am really looking forward to working with you this semester and well. bringing some of our, like, little world here on campus and in the Chicago area to other people. I think it'll be fun, you know? Yeah. We have a different show. I think we do. And, you know, I think we're both kind of, like, quirky a little bit, so it'll be fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, so I'm, I'm also, like Yasmin said, I'm a senior here at Columbia College, Chicago, and I am a journalism major with a radio concentration. Um, and I'm just, you know, I've done a couple internships ready to get out of here. And hopefully, um, this is my first endeavor into live radio. So, and we're going to have lots of fun guests, um, and features. So hopefully you'll tune in to us every Friday and you'll get to hear those people. Yeah, Louise, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing later on in the semester? Yeah, so I'm also part of a class here called Covering Politics. Uh, For the rest of the semester, we're going to be covering the campaign trail. So I'll be corresponding uh, with Yasmin to bring you a little bit of, to bring you inside of uh, what it's like on on the ground in Iowa and South Carolina at the Democratic caucuses. It's going to be really exciting. We're looking, we're really looking forward to getting that live coverage. I mean, being a college radio station, this is awesome. I mean, being able to cover such a historic moment in history. So Yeah, definitely. It's it's a little bit overwhelming in a way as a young reporter, I think, because when you've never, when you kind of, how do I say this? Um, 
when you start out as a, as a reporter in college, you kind of stick around campus and you're like, oh, well, what are the stories here? Who am I talking to? And you tend to a lot talk to a lot of people who, you know, look like you, are the same age as you, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you branch out of that a little bit, once you get into your more advanced reporting classes and you start going out into the city more and you start to talk to other people and you like gain more of like a, um, a world perspective, right? And so now um, this is kind of like the final step, right? Like really going out into a whole space that's actually like a professional um, area and being like, you know, like, wow, there are people here who are actually working in this field and doing Mm -hmm. a job that's really important. So it's going to be an experience for sure. And I hope that I can bring like some good (laughs) stuff. You will. Yeah. You will. You know, you're a very hard worker. I mean, we've had multiple classes together and you're you've always (laughs) (laughs) we've always you've always kind of stood out in class because you're the person who really really like wants this and I can tell that about you. I'm glad that I give off that energy because you know, I don't (laughs) feel it all the time. But No, you're you're really good. Like I, I see so much potential in you, seriously. So so what are you looking forward to this semester besides graduating? Because I know that you've been hyped up about that every time Uh, I talk to you're like yep I'm ready to get out of here I am just ready to get out there I mean I think also because I started working already Mm -hmm. um I'm kind of just like I want to you know I want to keep working I want to build a career now so I mean but still being in college it's like we have this kind of cushiony like base where we're still able to you know, mess up a little bit if we yeah. have to just to grow more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking podcast series production this semester, which I'm really excited for because I really want to do a documentary podcast series. Cool. Um, it's still kind of in the works, so I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk like what it's going to be about yet because mm-hmm. I'm still figuring it out. But I have some ideas that I'm really excited for. Um, ultimately, though, I think being at Columbia, I realized that as much as I love radio, I also love documentary work. Mm-hmm. And I kind of regret not taking more documentary type style courses, mm-hmm. especially because it's so big here. I mean, everybody wants to break into like film or doc or any. I'm, I'm so bad with the terminology, but I think you understand like what I'm trying to yeah. get into. But um, I also feel like this was a school where you're allowed to just kind of branch out and try something that you've never tried before. Totally. I, I mean, I, that's how I ended up in radio. Yeah. You know, I started here as a business major. Really? Can you imagine? Columbia? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Yeah, in the first semester, I took George Zarr's uh, intro to radio class. Oh, he's and the best. He's, he's the best. So he just kind of hooked me from the beginning. And uh, now we're here. <laughs> so it's kind of... Um, I'm really happy that this is how we're going to be like closing out our years at college and then hopefully not going to graduate school. <laughs> I, I want <laughs> Okay, I will say though, if I go to graduate school, I am not going to do journalism or no. radio. Mm-mm. Something just to boost the degree. Yeah, we need to um, not uh, get a degree in another dying field. That's not probably good. <laughs> we like to say it's not dying because we work in it. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but we do because it's funny. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely been a lot of changes, especially here in Chicago. I mean, we live in one of the largest cities in the country. Mm-hmm. There's stories all around. So being a journalist in a city like this, it's it's big. And being a journalism student in a city like this, it's in a way, it's kind of like a blessing mm-hmm. because... 
I mean, you grew up in a small town, you said, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can compare, like, st- you wouldn't find stories there that you would find here. No, I, I actually met someone who works at, uh, who used to work, actually, her first journalism job was at my hometown newspaper, the Grand Forks Herald okay. in, in, uh, in North Dakota. And she got the fun stories because she was covering, like, all of the crime that was going on there. But other than that, um, it was like, you know... Um, puppy training stories and you know and i mean you know small town journalism is really really important obviously but um you're so right when you say like it's such a um an opportunity to be able to like be on the airwaves here and and be a part of something bigger than yourself so yeah i definitely feel this i don't know how to describe it it's a little cheesy but i feel this little sense of like wow like we're writing history every time i cover Mm -hmm. something in chicago yeah especially like a protest or something where there's activists involved yeah that's when i'm like this is what it's about like this is what it draws me to do you ever think about how um i work a lot with terry hemmert who's like an amazing professor here and also like just a legendary dj here in chicago on uh, wxrt and what I've, I, I listen to her, she drives me home all the time, and I listen oh, yeah. to her tell stories, and she went to college from 1966 to 1969, oh, and wow. in Elmhurst, um, just east of here, or west of here, sorry, and whenever I hear her tell stories about that time, I just always see the parallels, you know, you know, me going to, to college here in the city from 16 to 20, um, you know, I, I totally see the parallels, like my very first semester here, um, the Cubs were the Cubs won the World Series uh, for yeah. the first time in over a hundred years, and then um, you know Donald Trump won the presidency, and there were protests outside my dorm, you know, and I had my parents telling me not to go out on the street because they were worried I was going to get hurt, mm-hmm. you know. So to see those kind of like you know uh, history shattering like kind of dichotomies, and and now with the the impeachment trial going on, um, I think it's a really amazing time for us to to be here. So. I say this is yeah. the time to be a journalism student. Yeah. I can't remember which one of my professors said that before, too. Like, and it hit me like, yes, it is, because yeah. look at everything going on. I mean, there's so much controversy in politics. Mm-hmm. There's controversy in the streets of Chicago. I mean, like yeah. everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. it's, things are changing. And I can't tell if it's good or bad. Yeah. Um, I think that just this semester, us having the show, I'm really looking forward to um being here for those moments you know Mm -hmm. and being able to react to it um in a public way so that's gonna be a lot of fun after the semester and after we graduate what's your dream job right out of college which my uh (laughs) (laughs) is it such a hard question Um, i love when people ask it (laughs) It, that's so funny because um i don't god this is so aquarian of me Um, i don't (laughs) It's not that I don't have any ambitions, but I always have that thing of in the back of my head that um, I think for a lot of us in this generation where we don't feel like we're like good enough for anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you keep getting told like, oh, you need these skills or you need this experience or you need blah, 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 right? You need such and such amount of schooling. Um, you need to go back to graduate school, blah, 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 right? So um, at this point, I think I'm just going to like take whatever is coming yeah um not that i'm gonna like wait for it to come to me obviously because that's not how you do things but uh i don't really know i mean i feel like also in this industry 
it just happens. Yeah, totally. Like I, I got a job and I didn't even apply for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see it coming, and then yeah. it happened. So, I, I kind of like that though because, in a way, it's kind of thrilling. It's like you can end up anywhere, and you, and it'll just happen. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that somewhere is not like in the gutter, but you know, yeah. you could always be a poet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this week we're going to hear from from you. Who are we going to hear from? We're going to be talking with Alexandra Yetter, the mm-hmm. editor-in-chief of the Columbia Chronicle, to tell us a little bit about what the Chronicle has going this semester. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen that little promo video that they posted on the Instagram, but they have a lot of new stuff going on. And mm-hmm. being, you know, a Chronicle alum myself now, which is kind of weird to say because it's so new Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for them and I'm very excited for the future of the Chronicle because I see so much potential and I would love to bring Alexandra on and talk with her about you know what's new so she agreed to come on I'm really excited so and we're looking forward to every week hopefully having um, a correspondent from the Chronicle to tell us what's going on uh, on campus and also just in the Chicago area yeah loving their stories they report if you want to follow them uh, on Instagram you can find them at CC Chronicle and if you want to follow me on Instagram um, you can follow me at Lou Nets it's L-O-U-N-E-T-Z and for you yeah, my Instagram is at yasmine.shika, so that's Y-A-S-M as in monkey, E-E-N as in Nancy, dot S-H-E-I-K-A-H. Sorry, my name is so long. <laughs> I'll change the at one of these days. You can also follow us at WCRXFM. And then later on in the show today, in the last part of the hour, we're going to be talking with uh, Sheila Baldwin, professor here in the humanities department at columbia college and we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, black history month which is coming up here in february and we're going to be just uh sitting down and talking about the importance of black history month especially here in a city like chicago and we're also going to discuss uh the announcement about the obama portraits that are going to be uh touring around the country next year in 2021 starting right here in chicago so stay tuned in to wcrx fm second part of our show this week, In the Loop met with some of the staff of our campus newspaper, The Columbia Chronicle. We talked to them about the direction their work is going in this year, some of their big features that are coming up for them, including an interview with the founder of the Me Too movement, and how we as young media makers are looking to change the media landscape for our generation. Listen in to our interview with Columbia Chronicle Editor-in-Chief Alexandra Yetter and photojournalist Camilla Forte, right here on WCRX-FM.
Welcome back to WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground. My name is Louise Netz, and you're listening into In The Loop. Every week uh, during this portion of the show, we'll be meeting some correspondents and some other reporters from around Chicago, and uh, we're going to let you in on what's going on down here in the loop around the Chicago area and on Columbia College Chicago campus. And I'm here today with Alexandra Yetter and Camilla Forte, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the Columbia Chronicle is looking forward to for the semester and some stories that you guys are working on. Awesome. So if you want to just uh, introduce yourselves and your titles, that would be great. I'm Alexandra Yetter. I'm the editor-in-chief for the Columbia Chronicle. And I'm Camilla Forte. I'm a staff photojournalist for the Columbia Chronicle. And how long have you guys been working there? I was a staff reporter last year and um, worked as co-editor-in-chief last semester. And then this is um, my fourth semester of the Chronicle. Slightly less extensive. Um, I joined the Columbia Chronicle fall of 2019 in the same position that I am right now. Awesome. Awesome. I remember um, a couple years ago, I was looking through your catalog um, of <laughs> stories, and there's a lot in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but one, one specifically, I saw you did an opinion piece about the Facebook portal. And yes. I just want to let you know that the one that my boyfriend's mom gave us is still safely tucked away in the closet. Oh, it's never been it opened. Where it belongs. It's never been opened. I write more about Facebook than I expected to when I started. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all of that stuff is so, like, crazy relevant. It's, like, movie worthy. It's, like, mm-hmm. they just Terrifying. need to make movie after movie after Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so where what is the direction that you guys are hoping to go in with the Chronicle this year? Like, what are some some things you're looking forward to covering? Yeah. So um, the Chronicle is a little bit of a new guiding principle this semester. So, you know, we're a bunch of 20 year olds. We also know that people don't like to read an entire print newspaper as much as it breaks our heart. But because of that, we're catering to that different audience by really focusing on videos amazing layouts in print and online and the sort of undertone we've decided for that theme is innovation so we're innovating how we lay out the front page if you pick one up on the stands you'll notice a different layout from last semester or how we innovate how it's delivered on the website or what our podcasts sound like or what our videos look like so we're really trying for innovation this semester that's awesome. I think I think really, you know, as somebody who's a music geek, you know, you kind of look at the vinyl record and you're like so nostalgic <laughs> for it. Like, oh, this thing I can hold in my hand, you know. Well, not nostalgic. I'm 21. What am I talking about? <laughs> but um, so, you you know, you look at it, and you're like, oh, it's this thing that I can hold. But I'm sure that you as a, as a photographer getting to see your work really shine like and have a focus on it has been really um, or is going to be really amazing for you. Yeah, I mean, I really love both our online and our print edition, especially because we've been focusing on making sure they both match up quality-wise. And because we're making a shift towards like daily online, um, making sure that our photographs really stand out, they're usually really visually appealing, um, and we reach our audience as well that way as well. So the podcast specifically, mm-hmm. like that's something, you know, audio medium, we've gotten... Uh, in common here, but I know Yasmin Shika, who's my uh, co-host here, Mm -hmm. uh, she used to sort of be the forefront of that. Um, Who's taking it over for this year and and what's their plan for it? Yeah, so it's the the same executive producer as last year who worked with Yasmin, Blaze Mesa. He is focusing solely on the podcast and that's really exciting because in addition to to enveloping that sort of headline atmosphere of 
what it used to look like last semester. He's bringing a lot of original content on as well. So that's things like talking to students who might have service animals or uh, one that he's really excited about is people who steal random things from the CTA. Like stories that maybe we don't have a reporter who has enough time to go out and write and report that, but still can be a cool element audio-wise. Definitely, definitely. And um, what are the big uh, things that you guys are looking forward to covering this year if you're working on any stories now? Well, I have to say the 2020 race. I'm obsessed with covering um, the presidential election. I'm going to Iowa with you, actually, Louise, this weekend. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to Wisconsin, possibly South Carolina, and then, of course, the creme de la creme Illinois primary. So hopefully getting some awesome pieces from that as well. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm also kind of like a metro um, Mm -hmm. aficionado. Is that a word? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, kind of making sure we cover the city as well as our campus Mm -hmm. and focusing really on some in-depth news reporting as well. Um, I know we're trying to make sure everything has like a good impact and we're not just doing event coverage for that. So I'm excited to see what happens with those. Anything you're working on right now? Um, So yeah, I worked on a story um, about Tarana Burke. Uh, I shot the visual for um, a story that a staff reporter, um, Mari Dever, well, she's not a staff reporter anymore. Managing editor. Managing editor. Um, <laughs> yeah, our managing editor, um, Mari Devereaux, came with, I went with her, um, and she reported on a talk that Tarana Burke, the founder of the Me Too movement, um, gave at Northwestern. So the visuals and the story for that will be up soon. And that was really interesting. It's great to have a name as big as Tarana Burke's um, mm-hmm. in the pages of the Columbia Chronicle. And Definitely. Um, telling of the fact that our reporters go out and they find the important stories. And Yeah, one of the things we tell our new reporters, and we just got, I think, like half of our reporters' desks this year is um, new. So we just finished our training week, and we were telling them, you know, more often than not, you're not going to find, like, other college reporters when you're covering these events for us. You're going to be elbow to elbow with New York Times photojournalists. You're going to be crawling over Associated Press photographers. You're going to be, like, shouting over um, CNN anchors as they're trying to get a question for Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. So that's really cool. And Toronto Burke just kind of shows that, that we still have that reach and that, that availability because we're literally in the center of the South Loop. Definitely. Why Why do you think that um, the Chronicle, what do you think Columbia in general like pushes that, that level on our students? Because I've always felt like Columbia is such a special place in a way because I never felt like I was kept on campus, like, you know, coddled and been like, oh, we're doing this class. It was never like a class assignment. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, it was like a you know, a, it was always a resume builder, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, like real world experience. Um, why do you think that's such like a theme here and at the Chronicle as well? Mm-hmm. I want to say it's because we were founded by awesome women, but also I know specifically with the communications department, we have um, Suzanne McBride, who is also sometimes editor on the weekends. So it, from the top down, it kind of just embodies that hustle and that going out that Columbia is kind of you know famous for in Chicago. And you can see that even from my favorite example is um, one of our photojournalists, Justin Anderson's very first days at the Chronicle. I walk over to him at like 
8 p.m. And I'm like, hey, what you doing right now? And he hadn't even been trained at that point. He had yeah. just come in for the staff <laughs> meeting that day to learn names. And he's like, you know, nothing. What do you need? And I'm like, grab your camera. I need you to go photograph this climate protest that just broke police lines. Yeah. Um, and I was there mm-hmm. covering it by myself. And I, I remember calling Alexander and being like, is anybody else at the office? And she was like, Justin. And I was like, I don't know. I don't care. Um, and he really took to that. And it's kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, at the Chronicle, I think especially, it's kind of trial by fire. But that, that strengthens um, your ability to be a good reporter and a good photographer and work on the fly. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such an exciting, we keep talking about in the journalism department and in the radio department too, it's such an exciting time to be a young media maker. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think the the opportunities that we're getting right now are really consequential. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, the 2020 race. Um, last year we had the 2018 midterm elections, which are huge for us. Uh, we had the insane mayoral race that made national headlines, and we had the first female black gay mayor. So, you know, Columbia is perfectly situated in the sort of melting pot in the Midwest at this point. And Jackie Spinner, um, we talk about how media is expanding all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you hear a lot about how media is kind of like a dying thing, and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, like, fear-mongering that newspapers were drowning out. Um, But you really see with a a rise of, like, online and social Mm -hmm. media um, information, there's actually, like, a good amount of growth um, in that. And I think Columbia is very, like, forward in encouraging that and, like, making sure that all of our students are active within a changing field and seeing those changes and adapting to them. Mm -hmm. So that's why the Chronicle's doing more video stuff. That's why we're shifting to online. Yeah, the interesting thing is in Chicago, in addition to this metro coverage, it's also this media stomping ground that Camilla was talking about where, you know, Tribune is owned by a new CEO and they're worried about that. And they're worried that people are going get, to get laid off. But at the same time, you have this, like, small nonprofit block club Chicago really growing. And, you know, they have Columbia alumni there. Amazing. And yeah. Yeah, you just see that kind of growth. There's a lot of, I think there's been a surge in the past few years, um, ever since the last election, or even a little bit before, of young people going into journalism specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that our generation is going to bring as a perspective as media makers? Mm, that's interesting because Camilla and I were actually just in a college newspaper workshop class talking about the Chronicle yesterday. And, you know, I was really surprised by how many freshman journalism majors there were just in 2020 compared to when I came to Columbia as a freshman journalism major in, oh God, in 2018, which feels so long ago, but only a couple of years ago. And it was surprising because a lot of them said, I want to be political reporters, I want to be investigative reporters. And I don't think that's just political reporting. I think it's also Me Too reporting and environmental reporting is a big deal right now. And education reporting and the thing with Jussie Smollett, like those are all very interesting things that relate to young people. And I think we are sort of internalizing how that was covered by papers like the Sun-Times or AP or the Reader. And we see ways where We could almost do that differently or do it better. And a lot of that has to do with innovation of how you deliver news. You know, people, sadly, don't want to read a thousand-word piece. I say that as I literally wrote a thousand-word piece this week in our (laughs) issue. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, they and, and in some cases, fortunately, because it's really fun to make that kind of content. They want IGTVs on Instagram. They want um, we call it like biteable news pieces. But it also gives us a way to re envision how journalism is adapting. Yeah. And I think in hand with the stories that are really important and all of these changes that are happening in the world, you also have a generation that kind of grew up analog. So when a lot of us were young kids, um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't really as much technology as there is now, and we kind of grew up with it, and we saw those changes. And you have a lot of people getting into this field because they're really excited about really innovating it and um, learning all these new skills that have never been done before. And it's a growing market because people who have worked it in the past aren't really sure how to adapt to that or how to change things. So you really see an opportunity to make your mark. Yeah, so this generation of journalists right now is the generation that kind of had to adapt to that 24-hour news cycle. I would say that our generation right now coming out of school as journalists is the ones who learned that way in the beginning. Right. Do you, And that brings up another thought to me, too, is um, do you think with this sort of changing tide of moving more towards multimedia, video, um, audio, really like showing what's happening instead of, um, you know, the, the writing portion of it, do you think that's going to enhance our generation's like trust in media or trust in the press? As a journalist, I'd say I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sit in more classes at Columbia than I than I care to admit where people say that, you know, pieces in the New York Times are fake news, and that hurts me um, because I, I wish we, as a generation, were more media literate, which is a common theme in a lot of my editor's notes. Um, but bringing in that multimedia sphere could be very helpful for that. But at the same time, like, photojournalists, and I'm sure Camilla can speak to this, have you know, have the same ethical boundaries and um, SPJ code of ethics that written journalists do. Yeah, Um, I think it's kind of a two-way street. Um, You have this platform where people can really attack the media and um, kind of pick apart in real time everything that goes wrong, especially as the news cycle gets faster, more mistakes are made, fact-checking isn't what it used to be. But you also have this platform to kind of be open and display how your newsroom works in a way that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of bigger news outlets and smaller news outlets are embracing that as a way to come back and be like, hey, like we know that you've been hearing this and you've seen our mistakes, but this is how we do things and this is how we're committed to doing so. Um, so as long as we keep pushing that and making sure people are allowed into our newsrooms, they know how a journalist thinks, how a journalist works, there's really a chance for people to kind of figure out the news for themselves through us, but in a way that doesn't um, have to be just us speaking and them listening, but more of a fluid exchange of ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you? So you guys are both very busy people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes. just lastly, uh, what are you looking forward, forward to the beginning of, you know, we're in a new decade, beginning of the new year. What are you looking forward to for fun this semester? <laughs> Any, you going to any concerts, any fun oh stuff, spring break? What's what's the sitch? <laughs> my mind went blank. <laughs> you asked the wrong question. <laughs> oh, Alexander just starts crying. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, jeez. I made fun of Any so movies much you're looking I forward do. to seeing that um, are coming out? I just saw Little Women. It was so really? good. It was so I've good. I'm not good looking things. forward to the Oscars, though. No, I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess... 
I'm looking forward to see where music goes, if that is anything. Um, yeah. I listen to a lot of it while I work. It's a really accessible form of media, and I think we're seeing a lot of artists kind of at the forefront of changing representation, and I look forward to seeing what new um, singers, songwriters, musicians in general can bring. What, what were your top? What were your top hits for 2019? <laughs> your Spotify, um, <laughs> whatever that was that people were posting. Um, I listened to a lot of Tyler the Creator. Um, oh, cool! And he just won. He a, did a Grammy, so that was exciting yeah. to see. Yeah, especially because when he started his career, there was a lot of censorship around what he did, and yeah. it's been interesting to see him grow and kind of accept himself through his music. So. Cool. All right. And and do you guys just want to um did you want to plug anything like any handles or anything like that or maybe plug the Probably. podcast what it's called Probably or like follow the chronicle on Instagram? Absolutely. There's yeah. so much stuff going up there all the time. Yeah, all our mm. videos, photos on the feed, on the stories. And you oh, can yeah. you can yeah. follow uh, the Columbia Chronicle to find out things about uh, the Chicago area and here on the Columbia College Chicago campus at CC Colum- or CC, CC Chronicle. Chronicle. Mm-hmm. At CC Chronicle on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. and Twitter. <laughs> well, thanks you guys for yeah, being here. That was okay. fun. Thanks yeah. for having us. Cool. Welcome back to In The Loop on WCRX-FM. I'm Louise Nutz. February in the United States is Black History Month, a time where we recognize the accomplishments and contributions of African Americans in the history of the U.S. This week, I met with Professor Sheila Baldwin, who teaches courses on African American literature at Columbia College Chicago, including a new course based on the work of Toni Morrison. We sat down to discuss how we can recognize Black achievement all year round, what she teaches in her literature courses, and the announcement of the tour of the Obama official portraits set for 2021, with the first stop being right here in Chicago. Here's my interview with Professor Sheila Baldwin at Columbia College Chicago. So I teach um, mainly African-American literature classes. uh, and I've been doing that for a number of years. I kind of fell into it. So that's that's main, mainly what I teach. This semester I'm teaching, um, I always teach a, a film lit class. It's an introductory class, uh, introduction to black literature. This semester it's Spike Lee and August Wilson. And I'm teaching a class on Toni Morrison, a, a new course for me. Wow. And um, I'm teaching a course on um, black humor um a comedy humor comedy you laugh and but you learn the art of laughing and why black people laugh and why white people created stuff for whoever to laugh okay sometimes mm-hmm. it was white people sometimes it was black people um so we take a look at all those things so those are the three courses uh, that I'm teaching this semester in the spring. Wow, that's awesome. Um, we're we're coming up on Black History Month here in February, mm-hmm. and 
Why is this observance so important for our country in this moment right now? That's a very good question. Um, Black History Month, as you know, started as a week and then it branched out into a month. Um, And the thinking was that it was necessary because black people had been marginalized, had been pushed to the curb, pushed to the sides, um, and that there was no recognition for the uh, accomplishments that, not only the accomplishments in the local community and all of that, um, but the major accomplishments that uh, black people had contributed to the development of the country, of society. So um, Carter G. Wilson said, we need to remedy this. Um, One thought is, just as I said, and Dr. Um, Woodson, recognizing and and paying homage to those blacks who kind of built the country, whose art was recognized, um, who created art, who created um, um, a number of things that we just take for granted, like the stoplight, okay, like that was created by a black person, okay. Uh, but so those contributions were certainly one that, that folks wanted to recognize. The other camp is saying it, it's, it's kind of split here. Um, it may be three camps. Um, another camp is saying, like, why is it a month? Why not a whole year? Why do we just have, and why is it the shortest year shortest in the month? Shortest month of the year, yeah. yeah right. So, like, what what's up with that? Um, then you have this other group that says, we don't care who, what y'all did, okay? We don't care at all. It's like they run the world. Mm-hmm. So this year at Columbia, I was just cleaning out my office Uh, and going and discovering all kind of stuff, because I've been here for many, many, many years. And um, so I was looking at all the programs that we used to do um, um, for Black History Month, and they were wide, and they were varied, and they just were so really good. This time, uh, with the the, um, initiative that Dr. Kim started on diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion, with that whole DEI initiative being implemented into the, the college, uh, there's a, um, a, a thinking that we should celebrate it year-round. We don't need to, uh, because the thinking is that, again, you have one month, one little day in the week, uh, in the month, um, in some departments, you know, uh, but then uh society just kind of washes their hands say okay we did something for right. them and and move on Go i ahead. always um i always thought so i grew up in north dakota mm-hmm. where you know diversity is a, a little you know sparse mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but i always coming out of that i sort of realized that the textbooks that i were given we always celebrated black history mm-hmm. month and mm-hmm. i remember specifically my music teacher would always play us the i have a dream speech mm-hmm. And, you know, we always um, observed that. But I always noticed that figures like Martin Luther King even were missing from our textbooks. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is if it were in the textbooks and we were learning about it and it was part of, you know, what we observe year round, Mm -hmm. 
um, that would probably be an improvement. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. It would definitely be an improvement. Um, and, and there are textbooks even today um, that um, the mentioning of, of Martin Luther King um, is, is one, not mentioning um, Martin Luther King is one thing, but <laughs> they just erased the whole uh, issue of slavery. This right. country was built off of slaves. Okay, right. the White House, if you go to D.C., every building in there is built was built by black people, brick by brick. Um, so, but um, my point is that, and our point that you're making is that um, what is missing from the discussion is the con are the contributions that um, black people have made and um, that we continue to make. Um, if, if President Obama, well, you just saw um, an example of, of the, um, how easily it could be erased. Um, if it wasn't for uh, the um, um, uh, media now and technology now. Uh, with the current president, when he had his uh, inauguration, um, it was like nowhere near as many people who were outside the, on the... the um, he would tell you different. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's how easily it could be erased because right. the fact checker said, no. You didn't have the largest crowd. You, mm -hmm. could, you couldn't even see how far um, the crowd for Obama's first and second election uh, uh, went, inauguration um, went out in, in the National Plaza. But Donald Trump, you could see, like, holes there, mm -hmm. you know. So just that, just by him saying, I had the largest crowd in, in history, some historians white historians will write that down as fact. Mm -hmm. And and then it will be all of this avalanche of people saying like, wait a minute, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Look at the, here's a picture. And they will say, you, you uh, uh, Dr. Thurl's up. You just um, uh, put some people in those places. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no. <laughs> so I don't know what the makeup of your classes look like um, in terms of students, but do you feel like for people like, do you have people coming into your classes like me who kind of have a blind spot and are coming into your class to sort of fill in that history a little bit? Yes, I do. Uh, and a, a misconception is that only black students take my class. Right. Uh, there are a lot of white students who take my class, whites and other uh, students who take, take my classes. Um, and um, the lack of knowledge, I'm going to say, um, is not only among... It would be a misconception to think that black students know everything 
they know more, some of them know more, mm-hmm. um, but some of them are just as hungry for to know more about their um, African heritage um, as, as the white students who want to know more about the, in, the heritage so that they can be included, they can bring those discussions to the table when they are um, in, whenever they need to. If they're sitting in a classroom, if they once they graduate from the college and they're in the boardroom and they're like, wait, wait, that's not, we, where's the, other, the voice of the other? Mm-hmm. Okay, where's the marginalized people? What are we going to do about them? That, that missing group, you're missing a whole range of people. So right. that part definitely is, is important. It's important for black students, it's important for all students, uh, white students, Hispanic students, and I'm only talking, we're only talking about the black students and the black history that is missing, but there are other um, people of color, the Asian students, the Latinos, trans, the the LGBTQ uh, group, all groups need to be present, period. Period, period. So going into this month of observance, Black History Month in February, are there anybody's stories that you that always come to mind for you or like figures that you think of people that maybe um, aren't as well known in the history book, but people you think their stories should be told? Uh, the, I'm teaching um, Spike Lee and August Wilson and um, Toni Morrison um, and humor. The, the, this is the thing with with each of those classes. Um, um, August Wilson and Toni Morrison deal with uh, those people who, and to a degree Spike Lee does too, but they take a look at at those people whose stories would never be told, okay? Absolutely never Mm -hmm. be told. Uh, So, and and the beauty of, 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 of August Wilson and Toni Morrison is that they take you back to um, the Middle Passage. They take you back to countries in Africa um, and bring you all the way over through that Middle Passage journey to where um, um, black people landed here in the Americas. And they examine what happened to the psyche of, of, of uh, black people with the treatment that they receive. Um, it, um, the uh, horrors of, um, of slavery and mistreatment that black um, people experienced when they came to America um, is, is just incredible. And when you read it now, you get so kind of like, app- app- it's appalling what they did. Um, they, meaning the white um, slave owners, uh, and how determined uh, black people were to leave that land, to leave that area. To, uh, but what came, what has stayed with us to uh, even today is the, the psychological treatment, of um, damaging treatment that um, they received uh, during the uh, past. So they look at, um, I'm thinking of Margaret Garner, for example. Uh, Toni Morrison wrote um, a, 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 her novel, Beloved, off of this black woman who was trying to escape 
the institution of, of slavery. She had four children, and she was like, I'm not going through this, and I don't want my children to go through this. So she tried to kill all four of these little babies, okay? She succeeded in killing one child, um, and they took her away and locked her up and all of that, and she uh, died of typhoid. Um, but uh, Morrison deals with the baby ghost. The baby comes back as a ghost and just like is so appalled at, at what happened that her mother would kill her and that she is, there's a line in that novel that says there's no time that I am not, um, that I stop. There's no, meaning that there's no time that the baby is not present in society at all. Um, so she's here, she was here in slavery, and she's still here in, in, um, in stories. But August Wilson does that also. He brings back, he documents the life of the ordinary black man and woman and child. Gwendolyn Brooks does the same thing. And her beautiful poem, The Life of Lincoln West, uh, where Lincoln West is this ugly little boy that, that nobody in the world wants to deal with. He's dark, dark, dark skinned. And he has, it's, even his mother is repulsed by his, his presence. And she says at the end of that poem, when a white man says, see, that's the real thing. That's what I want, the real thing. And, his, and he said, and Lincoln West says, I am, I am it. I am genuine. I am the real dynamic person that I am. It's the bomb. And I've, I've been to Gwendolyn Brooks' grave in Lincoln Cemetery. Mm. Um, that cemetery is amazing for anybody yes. who's interested in black history. Yep. Um, it's like Big Bill Brunsey is buried there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what is so important, I think, about recognizing Black History Month is through these great figures, we also see the lives of everyone else. Everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone else. And, and you brought up Obama earlier. Mm -hmm. We just got news a little bit, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, that the official White House portraits are going to be touring around the country. What kind of impact do you think that has, or what's the significance of those portraits? I think that, it is that, that their touring is fabulous. Three words, fabulous, okay? Uh, because you were... Previously, you were only able to see them in D.C., and, and so when you would go to D.C., I was just there, uh, returning there um, uh, for uh, a couple of times this summer, uh, but uh, so you would go there and you would see uh, the national, um, the big museum, black museum that just opened up, and that's fabulous, and then you do a tour of the uh, um, artwork and stuff. But when you see those two pictures, it is so cool to actually see the the president and the first lady, um, someone who could live down the street from you, being a black person, okay, mm -hmm. uh, who goes to the same church uh, that you attend, who, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. So some of my my friends and colleagues from across the country when they would go, and I didn't even think to do this when I was there. Um, they took a picture of Michelle. They stood by the picture and they took a picture like they were hanging out with Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I 
was like, I have got to do that mm-hmm. when I see it again. <laughs> so uh, on tour, I hope everybody goes to see them because they are, it's just so fabulous to have that opportunity to see what will be hanging uh, in the National Gallery in D.C. But also um, that they were um, both done by African-American uh, artists. artists. Yeah. Really, really special. Really, really special. Well, thank you so much, Professor Baldwin, for coming in and talking with us here. I hope you guys got some something out of it. Yeah, I think I think everyone will, and I think that um, just bringing up this kind of like important month of observance mm-hmm. is um, is great and something that's necessary. So yeah, I'm glad the, we could talk about it. The the um, unlike the college's newsstand, um, the DEI stand that mm-hmm. uh, instead of having one month, uh, that we just don't want to marginalize people. Right. Like put it in your syllabus. Mm-hmm. Put it in your courses so that everybody, everybody could, could have it. A big thank you to Alexandra Yetter, Camilla Forte, and Professor Sheila Baldwin for coming in and being wonderful guests on our show this week. Thanks for tuning in to us on In The Loop on WCRX with me, Louise Nets, and my co-host, Yasmin Shika. We'll be back next week with another show on Friday at 3 p.m. So tune in to wrap up your week with us and enjoy some news highlights and more guest interviews.